Hi, I'm Taylor Trammell with the Amarillo Stoppers, and you're listening to Tom Talks Baseball. And welcome back, a special edition of the Tom Talks Baseball Podcast, Sod Poodles Spotlight. Did not think we would be here on a Monday <laughs> talking about what we're going to talk about, but an incredible weekend took place, and uh, we're going to dig into that here just a little bit. I'm Tom Young. I'm David Lovejoy. And who better than this guy to join the podcast, the man who's seen every single pitch, every single game, and you've heard his voice a lot on the TuneIn app and through MILB.TV, the voice of the Sod Poodle, Sam Levitt. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. So you're telling me that you left Hodgetown after game two and you thought you wouldn't be back. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people kind of had that mindset. But, but before we get to what happened in Midland, let's, okay. let's go back to Wednesday and Thursday. We had the blue out Wednesday and the red out Thursday. And I tell you what... Uh, what an incredible sight that was. Yeah. I wasn't sure how that was going to work out, but both nights were incredible with everybody following along, and it was just great. It was great. I mean, the crowds were incredible, 5,000-plus both nights. They were loud. They were into it. Everybody did the red out, blue out thing, which I thought was great. The only thing that wasn't great was the team didn't play very well at all, and uh, that was kind of a bummer those first two games, but they sure made up for it uh, this past weekend in Midland. But the crowds were great. Uh, I think we're going to have very similar crowds, games one and two of this championship series starting tomorrow. I certainly hope so. I mean, I, I would highly doubt that they play as poorly as they did in the first two games of this series as they did in the first two games of the division series, but you're, you're right. The crowds were unbelievable. I mean, that's the way it's been all year and it was no different in the postseason, so we need the same thing. Bring that energy and the excitement. It was loud. The place was ready to erupt, and I think they'll have some things to erupt about come tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, big thank you to everybody who came out. Uh, you guys saw yesterday the crowd that greeted yeah. us mm-hmm. on the bus at 10.30 p.m. on a Sunday night in downtown Amarillo. <laughs> they were probably... 90, 100 people out there. Wow. We wow. had a police escort to the stadium. Once we got towards downtown, the guys got a real kick out of it, and it was pretty cool. That's something that's not happening in other minor league cities. I think that was, of all the moments from this year, I think that was certainly one of the wow moments for me. And if that's any indication, it should be a, a raucous atmosphere tomorrow and uh, and on Thursday as well. So, uh, well, What's today? Mon- I'm yeah, losing. T- yeah, <laughs> sorry. Today. Tuesday and Wednesday. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it should be a, a great crowd. And uh, if that's any indication, it'll it'll be pretty special again. Well, well go to sodpoodles.com, get those tickets. So if you were a season ticket holder, you don't have reserved seats. All, all the seats are open, I believe, right? So you can just go and, and go get your tickets now and get out yeah, there. Yeah, I would, I would recommend you go get them. I, I know they've been having some internet issues at the ballpark today, which has hampered their ability to deal with tickets on the phone, I believe. I haven't been there yet today. Uh, but yeah, you, you should uh, get your tickets now. I know they're going quick, uh, so be, be proactive about it. Get them for games one and two, and uh, we'll see you there. Okay, well, after after the second game, you guys hop on the bus, go down to Midland. Of course, you don't want to be 0-2. What was the mood on that bus like? You know, you got that long drive down the Midland. You're, you're, you got time to think about those first two games. Was it upbeat? Were they kind of down? How was the team on the way to Midland? I think it was upbeat. I, the guys were pretty loose when they got on the bus. The coaching staff was pretty loose. I, I don't think there was a feeling of despair and that this series was going to be over in three games and we were in less than 24 hours going to be back on the bus heading the other way. Uh, it was upbeat. And, 
You know, it's funny. I, I, I just felt like, personally for me going down, I felt like they played so poorly the first two games, and they did. I mean, you know, they, they didn't score, and uh, they pitched well in spots, but not in every spot. And I kind of felt like it was unlikely in this series that they would struggle like that in another game. You know, I, I thought in this series coming in, I thought they were the better team. I think they had a far deeper lineup than Midland did. I think the pitching was pretty even because Midland did have Kyle Friedrichs going, Brian Howard going. They had some good starting pitching, had some good arms in their bullpen. But I thought from an offensive perspective, this was a much deeper lineup. And the numbers had shown that throughout the regular season. So getting on the bus after game two, it was upbeat. I mean, I didn't get the sense that anybody was hanging their heads. I mean, I, I think they knew the task at hand, that they needed three wins in three days, and that what, and that's what they did. But, you know, that's the mark to me of a, a Philip Wellman ball club. He now, two years in a row, has led teams from two games to none down in the Texas League Division Series, and they've come back to win it. And last year, I was in Corpus Christi. I saw it. I was on the other side. San Antonio trailed 8-1 to one in Game 3. Came back to win it, won Game 4, won oh, Game wow. 5. And they did it again this year. A similar thing, down two games to none. Just as challenging, had to go on the road and win three in a row, and they did that. So, you know, my belief going down for game three was I didn't think the offense would continue to struggle the way it did. Uh, it's not like games three and four, it was insane, but they had enough. They got really good starting pitching, and that's what you need. You need good starting pitching, get an early lead, and they did that in every single game in three, four, five. Uh, so that was big, and, um, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know uh, what was said in the clubhouse after game <laughs> two. I don't know what uh, what they were breathing in, uh, the, the air on the way down to Midland, uh, but something clicked uh, when we got on the bus and, and arrived in Midland, and uh, here we are getting ready to play the championship series. Well, you talk about the starting pitching improving, and I think they had the right guy on the mound there in game three and uh, Kyle Lloyd. And uh, well, one thing that stuck out uh, to me this year with him were just his home versus road splits. Like at Hodgetown, struggled considerably, but on the road in ERA at like 1.86 in right. the regular season and went seven and two thirds in game three. And then, of course, just enough offense. And you win that first game. It's like, okay, now we just got to win two more. We don't need to win three more. I think that was a huge outing. I think the pendulum swung in that outing. It was huge for Kyle, and I thought he would have that type of outing. And I'm not just saying that because he ended up going seven and two-thirds and two runs given up. I thought he would have a good outing. He had been very good against Midland all year. Uh, they're not a great lineup, just as far as batting average and the experience in the lineup. And a guy like Kyle Lloyd, who's very experienced, who carves and keeps you off balance and mixes and matches. He's not going to blow you away with his velocity at all, but he just kind of keeps you off balance. He had done that really well against that lineup throughout the regular season, and it was no different in Game 3. And to me, that was the turning point, getting that outing. They got out to an early lead in that game, hung on, tacked on late, and then they get the good outing in Game 4 from Jesse Schultens. Aaron Lasher was solid yesterday. They have the big seven-run second inning, so that, I think, gave Aaron a, a deep breath and, and allowed him to really just pitch freely, and he ends up going four and two-thirds solid innings and doing what he needed to do. But I think you could make the argument, Tom, that – the outing from Kyle Lloyd totally changed the dynamic in that series. If he doesn't have a good outing and the Rockhounds get out to an early lead, 
who knows what happens in a game three on the road where you're already down two games to none. Um, you, it's not looking very good. No. So uh, that was a huge outing, getting out to an early lead. And, you know, Kyle is he's such a good guy and he's such an experienced arm. I just knows what he's doing. And even on the outings this year where he's had some blow ups, you never can tell in the clubhouse after the game. He's just so even keel. He's a true pro and he knew what he needed to do. And, and he went out and did it in game three. And I think you could argue that was the turning point of the series, what he did on the mound in game three and that propelled the rest of the series yeah i think so and if i had to guess i'd say maybe he's your game three starter again uh going against tulsa you get that first game on the road where he's had all that success this year well, why not put him back out there against uh, this tulsa team that uh, we'll talk about in a little bit but you brought up jesse schultons and this season mid five era kind of struggled on at both home and on the road, but when you mount a comeback like you do, you got to have guys step up that maybe you don't expect to step up, and boy did he there in Game 4. He did, and you're right, he, he's had an up and down season, but he really did perform well, and he worked out of a bunch of jams, one big one in the fifth inning, bases loaded in the sixth inning, they end up getting out of it as well, so he was huge. I mean, for, for everything the offense did, and we can talk more about the series against Tulsa, because for me, that's where it kind of begins and ends, these first two games at home, with the offense but there's no doubt you got to get good pitching I mean you know I was talking with Jeff after game two on a radio broadcast in our post game show and we said it, it starts with the pitching they must get good outings from Lloyd and from Schultons and from Lasher and they got him especially from Lloyd and Schultons but that's what you needed from two veteran guys there's a lot of youth on this team you guys have talked about that all year uh Schultons and Lloyd are two of the more experienced guys and and they came out and they had the outings of the year I mean they were huge and getting out to early leads in both those games and building on them I mean it's everything they didn't do in the first two games and and they found a way to do it in game three and four and one thing I found interesting in game four it was it was kind of like the opposite of game one where you know the Rockhounds got their first couple Mm -hmm. runs on what ended up being a wild pitch kind of a controversial call Quote there. unquote wild pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that kind of led to the floodgates opening a little yeah. bit. A five-run inning ended up happening after that. Saw Poodles got their first run in that game on a wild pitch. And then Peter Van Jansen ends up two-run single. And then the offense breaks it open a little bit. And then speaking of the offense breaking open, game five was just incredible. And then you got a guy on the mound and Aaron Leisure. Hey, your second ever double-A yeah. appearance. You had a great year at Lake Elsinore. How about we put you in game five of a playoff series? And, and I think he did all right. It was huge. I, I think getting the seven runs in that second it took the pressure off Aaron, who you didn't know what you were going to get. I mean, he had a very good year at High Lake Elsinore. First outing out of the bullpen on uh, the Saturday, the final Saturday of the regular season against Arkansas was not particularly good. I'll be honest, I didn't know what you were going to get. I don't know that the coaches knew what they were going to get, but going out and getting the seven-run lead and doing that, I mean, that just let him pitch freely. He ends up going four solid innings, runs into trouble in the fifth inning, bullpen bails him out, and hey, they scored seven in that second inning. They won it 7-5, so they hung on to that big inning and, and a huge hit from Overstreet to get the scoring started, bases clearing double. Yvonne Castillo, what, I mean, what more can you say about what he's done all year? Big three-run home run, and then the bullpen got it done and they were able to turn to guys like uh, Guerrero who again you know that's the thing about this series I mean yeah they had some of the the reinforcements come back in in Travis Radke and Evan Miller and Van Ganson and Colway who all had really nice series but yesterday in in a two-run game they had to go to a guy in Jordan Guerrero who 
is new to double A and pitched two scoreless innings was great. And then Radke uh, closes it out, which is a, a name you're, you're much more familiar with. So, you know, this series and the comeback, it came from all sides, from guys who have been here a long time, who have been here since day one of this season, and guys who are new, like Guerrero, who I thought pitched two huge scoreless innings out of the bullpen yesterday. But that's what you need in the postseason in minor league baseball, because you're going to have guys that have been there since day one. You're going to have guys that have been there for two seconds, and, and both groups contributed in uh, in the three wins. Well, I was listening to the broadcast yesterday Mm -hmm. on uh, the TuneIn app, and one thing you said that was just kind of amazing to me was talking about the attendance for Game 5 of this series, how you thought that the Sod Poodle fans may be outnumbered the Rockhound fans down Mm -hmm. there. How how impressed or... I don't know how you'd say it, but like, how shocked were you to see that much of a sod poodle representation down in Midland yesterday? I wouldn't say I was shocked. Okay. I, I on Friday game three, it was mostly front office. I think there were a few fans sprinkled in there. Saturday it was a little bit more, and then Sunday I could just tell on social media that there were a lot of people coming down, and that was by far the biggest crowd of people they had. I mean, there was almost uh, a whole section filled up with fans. Well. Whole side, the section's big. I mean, there were a lot yeah. of fans. I mean, I, it was to me, I from what I could tell up there. I mean, it was well over a hundred. Um, yeah, I mean, the crowd was light on Sunday in Midland, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, this is not an exact science, but I thought there were just as many Saudis fans there as there were Rockhounds fans. And uh, kudos to the fans for coming down and coming out last night when we got back. That stuff matters. That stuff goes a long way. And even though this team didn't show it in games one and two of the Texas League Division Series, that stuff will go a long way in this series. And I'm sure we're going to have folks coming to Tulsa as well, and it's going to be a Another Friday, Saturday, Sunday there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, look, it it speaks to what I've said all year, Tom. I mean, that's been, to me, of everything that's gone on, of all the stuff on the field, all the stuff off the field, the way this city has embraced the team and the way the fans have formed this relationship with the team and the organization and the stadium. It's wildly impressive, and I'm sure I'll talk more about it when the season comes to an end and I have time to reflect on it, but I mean, it's been amazing. That's been the most rewarding part of this whole thing, and and that stuff matters. So folks coming down for Game 5 yesterday and making a lot of noise and making it a a special atmosphere, that stuff goes a long way, and I know these guys uh, really appreciate it. Like last night on the bus, I mean, we were all getting a real kick out of it yesterday. When we had the escort and the lights were going, we were cracking up in, in the best of ways yeah. i mean we're like is this seriously happening and then when we pull up we got kendra our bus driver <laughs> honking the horn and we pull up and i i honestly thought it would be like 20 people and there are probably 100 people out there and i get off the bus i go to the front seat next to Willie, and they always make fun of me because i always have my phone out for everything yeah. but so i'm getting ready and I, i'm gonna hop off first so i can get video and i hop off and i mean they're going nuts it's it i mean that stuff um you know, that's stuff I will remember for a long time, and I think it's it's little things like that that make this season so special. And, and obviously, if they can go win a Texas League championship, it's kind of the cherry on top of this whole thing, and now they have a real shot to do it. I think the, the funniest thing when listening yesterday was after Overstreet hit that three-run double to, to get the scoring mm-hmm. going, you heard... 
Woo! Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can hear it all. On the, you can hear the Sob Poodle fans making noise on, on the radio yeah. broadcast. And, and, yesterday. and by the way, to me, that hit by Overstreet, that was the biggest hit of the day in that inning because, you know, in a series like that where you were down 2 0, you have now tied it. In that moment, when you jump out to a 3 nothing lead and there's still nobody out in the second inning and you go and have that type of inning, I mean, imagine what's going on in the other dugout. Right, what the thought is there. I mean, I saw it on the other side in Corpus Christi last year. Very similar thing happened, ironically, with San Antonio, where they got out to a big early leading game five on the road. And it kind of just took the wind out of the sails. You know, you've lost two in a row, your backs are against the walls, the momentum is totally shifted, and now you're down seven nothing. Um, and kudos to the Rockhounds. I mean, they battled back, they made it a two run yeah. game, and then the bullpen shut the door. But um, yeah, I mean, just. That, that was a huge hit. I mean, that, that might, t- to be honest, that may have been the hit of the year yeah. to this point and, for, and, for me. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in the bottom of the first, didn't it, the Rockhounds get a leadoff double? They did. So, uh, and so, Laser works around so, it. So, so yep. let's say that guy scores. Yep. And th- that could have completely changed the, the, the mm-hmm. flow of the game. Maybe that second inning doesn't happen the way it does because you got this guy on the mound making his second double A right. appearance of the year. That, that could have potentially got ugly, but yeah, yeah he got out of it yep little things here and there um you know but the bottom line is they had to go win three games and they did it so um it's uh it's pretty exciting yeah and uh also going five games was the uh, tulsa arkansas series yeah. uh, you had great pitching versus great hitting the great hitting ended up uh coming out on top so we got to take on the drillers uh, starting tomorrow mm-hmm. at hodgetown we got two more games mm-hmm. here more. in amarillo <laughs> uh on the year five and nine against tulsa mm-hmm. uh three and four at home two and five on the road tulsa led the texas league in home runs and batting average second in runs and the pitching wasn't bad either second in ERA and whip. Mm -hmm. Obviously, on paper, it looks like they might be the favorite. What has Amarillo got to do against Tulsa? Who should we be on the lookout for on the other side? Well, I think first for the drillers, I think both those teams, Arkansas and Tulsa, very good teams. And I don't know that you would have had a preference either way as to who you want to play. Both pitch really well. And I think the Tulsa lineup is deeper. I mean, they've got a mix of veterans and and younger guys. I mean, the younger guys, Jeter Downs, Connor Wong, have played really well since coming up to double A. Guys like Chris Parmalee, Cody Thomas, big power hitter in the middle of that lineup. They have a lot of good hitters. I mean, that's a good lineup. They're a good team, and they pitch well. They've pitched well all year. I think they've been, I'd have to look it up again, but I think they've been right behind Arkansas and ERA most of the yep. year. Yeah, Arkansas was like yeah. just over I, I three. Haven't, like, I haven't done yeah. anything with my book yet for yeah. tomorrow. So, But, but <laughs> if I remember correctly from, uh, well, I'm looking at my book right now. What is it? Uh, do I have it? A three? Yeah, so as of that last homestand with a few games left in the regular season, they had a 3-4-1 second in the league. Yeah, I mean, they pitched really well all year. So they're a really good team. For me, let's talk about games one and two. The bottom line is this. Sam Merlo scored four runs in the first two games at home in the division series. This is a team that scores almost six runs a game at home during the regular season. They cannot score only four. I think that's where it starts for me, and I'll talk about it more tomorrow on the broadcast. To me, they got to score runs. I mean, yeah, you, you want the pitching to do well. You need that. Uh, but remember, this is a Tulsa team that hit them pretty well. Not pretty well. They hit them really well uh, when the pitching was really struggling. And a lot of that was we had some of the, the guys who had come from from short season and bounced around and, and were missing some of the guys that are now back. So that's part of it. But to me, 
that's key number one is they've got to score more at home because that's the way they've won at home. You guys know a lot of these games at Hodgetown have not been two one. Mm-hmm. No, They're yeah, more like yeah. seven six, yes. eight seven. They've got to score more at home. They can't score three runs on one night, then one run on the next night in the first two games of this series. I think it's just far too hard to win in that ballpark. Uh, with the way teams score. So for me, that's first and foremost. They must score more at home in the first two games of this series. And then the keys are what the keys always are. You got to pitch, you got to hit, you got to play good defense. I mean, they need good starting pitching from Bacher and Lloyd, and um, and everybody's got to chip in and good bullpen work. But this is a very good drillers team. And yeah, I don't know. To me, are the drillers a favorite? I think it's. A, I think they're. these teams are even. Okay. You know, I think they're even. Um you know, they both have deep lineups. They both have good pitching and guys who have done really well this year. I think it's going to be a really good series. I would be surprised if this series is over quickly. Yeah. yeah. I would be surprised. I would be surprised yeah. if it were a sweep either way. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if we were playing Saturday and or Sunday in Tulsa because I, I think these I think Tulsa's a really good team. And um but yeah, to me, look, the pitching's gotta be good. And they've got to score more at home. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer it in tomorrow and and Wednesday. They they you know you can't score four runs at home because that's just not the way they've played at home. They've averaged almost six runs a game. Yeah. So yeah. you know they they got to score at home tomorrow. Well, and I assume they lose a bat because they're taking on Tulsa, right? A Dodger affiliate. So it's so, true. So the DH is going to be yep. gone, which which raises a question from me. Uh, of course, Brad Zunica was mm-hmm. the first baseman most of the year, but uh, not necessarily hitting the greatest. Kyle Overstreet comes in. He's been a hotter bat of yeah. late. Uh, who do you think sees more time at first base? Is it even? Do you think uh, Zunica maybe becomes that big bat off the bench late in the game? We'll see. And you're right. It does change things in the sense of having guys come off the bench and Double switching and pinch hitters. You guys know it really changes the complexion of these games. I think it's interesting. That's a really good question because Overstreet had a good division series. Zunica can hit the ball out of the ballpark anytime. We know that. Even Peter Van Gansen. I think PVG has great at-bats, and he has some huge hits this year. Uh, Taylor Colway. I mean, look, it's a good problem to have because I think you would be comfortable – you know, if it were Zunica, Overstreet, or Van Gansen, all guys who play first base, I mean, Van Gansen really not his natural spot, but he's played there. I mean, any of those guys, I think they bring something to the table in the lineup. So we'll see how he plays it. Uh, Overstreet had had a good series and and had that big hit yesterday. We'll see. It's interesting. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, it may be a matchup by matchup basis. You know, for example, yesterday, Brad Zunica had to be in the lineup. You want to know why? Because what? he was seven for nine with three home runs yeah. against James yeah. Nail this year, yeah. Yeah, so he be- had to be in the lineup, yeah. right? Yeah. So I haven't had a chance to look at any of the the matchups or the numbers yet, but that's going to play into it too. I knew I know it played into Welly's thinking as we went as far as matchups, and that's you know really in the postseason is the first time in the minor league season where you start looking at that stuff because during the regular season it's just different, and certain guys got to play, yeah. and that's the way it is in the postseason. I think there's a little bit more leeway with that stuff. So I think that's going to determine part of that is the matchups. And obviously, Midland, it's a little bit easier to play that matchup game because we face them so much. Yeah. 
you know, Jojo Gray, the Saudis have faced him once. Um, I, have, I don't, yeah. not, I'm not sure, and I, I think Jojo Gray probably will be their starter tomorrow. I don't know that for sure yet. Uh, most of their starting pitchers, they faced them maybe once or twice, whether it's a Crawford or a Solbach or whoever it might be. So it's a little harder to play that matchup game this series. But that's part of it is we've seen what it is. Like yesterday, Brad Zunica had to be in the lineup because of what he did against Friedrichs and um, not Friedrichs against uh, uh, Nail. So and what he did against Midland, he hit 322 against Midland this year. So um, it's going to be interesting. No, you make a, a very good point. Um, the, the National League style of play is is going to definitely add a wrinkle um, and makes things a little more interesting as far as strategy and double switching and pinch hitting and where to use guys. But I think the positive for Amarillo is they have a really strong bench either way. You know, if tomorrow. Van Gansen and Colway aren't playing, and the outfielders Olivares, Tremel, and Reed, and Overstreet's at first base, or Zunica's at first base. The, to me, Van Gansen and Colway, those are two great options off the bench because you know what you're going to get. You can put them in multiple spots. Um, you know, you can put Van Gansen on the infield in a double switch. You can put him at first base. You can put Colway in the outfield. You can play Colway at first base, who's played there a little bit, and they both have really quality at bat. So um, it's a it's a good problem to have and. We shall see, Tom. I uh, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be very, very interesting. I think it's gonna be a very good series. Well, one other guy I want to ask about is, yes. Mc- is Mackenzie Gore. Okay, a- and I know he c- he had that surprise Saturday start against Tulsa and went an inning and two thirds, didn't give up anything. Mm-hmm. And you know we were told he was shut down for the year, and then he came out of nowhere and pitched that inning and two thirds. Now you're playing for a Texas League title. I know the Padres are thinking more long-term with guys like he and Patino, mm-hmm. but do you think Gore maybe makes an appearance surprisingly in this series? I will tell you what I've seen the Padres <laughs> folks say to other people in the media, and that's okay. that he's, he's done for the year. Okay. So I, I'd have to go look at my phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will. that's that's all I'm going to give you is I'm going to tell you what that, I've that's, seen that's other fair. That's fair. other uh, Padres officials say to, to other reporters, and that's that he uh, that he uh, he won't be pitching in this series. Now, I'm guessing he would have in this one if, if they were going to. I would assume. If, if yeah. they were going to do that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think with McKenzie, look, he, had, he was the minor league pitcher of the year um, from, from MLB Pipeline, which is awesome. So Padres had two in a row. Because Paddock got it last year, I believe. Was Paddock last year? Yeah, I think oh, okay. he was. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know what? I, I didn't. So even, okay, Padres man. I should probably know that that he was last year, but um, but back to McKenzie. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, he had a terrific year, and I, I think I think the bottom line is this: is number one, he had an amazing year. Uh, he proved to everybody that he was the number three yeah. overall pick that the Padres thought he was going to be, and the hype was everything they thought he was going to be. Everything you hear about him from a stuff perspective, from a mental perspective, in me getting to know him and seeing him work a little bit now, kid's the real deal. Yeah. I mean, I you just there are certain, and I haven't been around the game that long. I'm 27. But I think there are. I just I just felt old for like one of the first few times in my life. I think <laughs> I think there are moments though where certain guys have that just that it factor, and you'll hear scouts say it. They've got it. Yeah. And what's yeah. it? I don't know what it is, but McKenzie's got it, and um, just the way he goes about his business. So, yeah, no, great for him, and he's pitched a hundred innings, which is 
you know, 30 to 40 more than he pitched last year. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're pretty – I think the Padres were pretty content with what he did the year he had and saying, okay, that's enough for this year. And uh, let's let's yep. go you know, into the offseason healthy. Yes, yep. and and yeah, focus on on next year. And we saw it happen with Chris Paddock and Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens in spring training. You never know. I, I would love to tell you guys right now that Mackenzie Gore is going to be here at Double A to begin the year. But he now may, looking he may at what, not be looking yeah. at what happened this past spring. Yeah, I don't know that if he yeah. goes and has a really strong spring. I think Mackenzie Gore will battle for a spot in that rotation yeah. on the opening day roster. Well, especially so. if they don't make a move in the offseason. Yeah. Imagine well, Paddock and Gore one and two, one and two. I think which yeah. is very they, possible. They, they showed with Chris Paddock that they were willing to do it. I can't see why they wouldn't do it with Mackenzie Gore. This Padres organization has shown a propensity to move guys quickly if, if it's a uh, even a Bolaños. I mean, you know, Bolaños had how many starts at Double A? I mean, a couple of months, and then he's in the big leagues and um, and moving guys, taking a guy like Bednar and and stuff like that, straight from Double A, who's you know came into the year kind of a little known pitcher. Um, we knew him, but I've, as far as the the radar of of minor league prospects wasn't really there, and you know, so they've shown a propensity to do that. I love it because oh, yeah. in in an era where you, there's so much service time stuff and all this whatever, the Padres basically usually say we don't care and we want the best players here now. And I think next year, depending on what they do in the off season, they will be a contender either in that division or for a wild card depending on how they improve that club um so yeah i I mean we'll see what happens with mckenzie and if he is here you know he may be here for a bit and then you know i i think the debut of mckenzie gore in the big leagues as long as he stays healthy i think it's a a pretty safe bet that's going to be in 2020 at some point whether that's early or a little bit later but he's great kid um terrific stuff and he's just got he's got that it factor and it's uh it's uh you know, it was very good having him around. And unfortunately, that it factor, we maybe won't see it anymore <laughs> here in Amarillo. It. But we are going to see championship mm-hmm. baseball, Texas League Championship Series against Tulsa. Any final thoughts on the series going into it? Anything you want to say to the fans, get them pumped up, or before we send you on your way today? I I got three <laughs> words. Bring the Ruckus. Yes. yes. You hear that, Tony Enser? I'm pumping in the brand. Bring the ruckus. No, I think I same same thing as I said before. Just just keep up the support. It's been an incredible season. You know, you've at least got three games left, maybe five. Uh, you've got two more home games, and and there will be now a finality on Wednesday to walking out of Hodgetown, and that will be the final time, which is a a good problem to have uh, when you make the championship series. And you know, it's funny because when we were when people People were walking out on uh, after game two. I mean, there were some sad people. You know, there were people. People were really down, and they're like, "Man, I I think I'm walking out of here for the final time." And it's uh, it's amazing to see what it's meant to people and, and how important it's become to people in our community. And uh, just keep bringing it and the energy, and it means a lot to the guys. And I, I think it it means a lot and goes a long way. And being that kind of tenth man on the field, uh, it means something, and um, it inspires these guys. They didn't play like it the first two home yeah. games of the postseason. <laughs> But I would be I would be very surprised if if we don't have much much better 
offensive showings and better games, period, these first two games of the championship series, especially considering uh, what they did in Midland. And, and again, a kudos to all those guys. They could have very easily packed it up, it up. went home for the winner. Uh, but a kudos to them and Philip Wellman and our coaching staff. Uh, they did not quit, and they uh, they did what they needed to do, and now we're playing more baseball in downtown Amarillo. Well, the season's not over yet. A lot of memorable moments for sure. Yeah, more to come. But, but we got more to come, and we're looking forward to that. And Sam, we'd love to have you back on in a week or so to, to actually take a look back at that yes. first year and your first mm-hmm. year here in Amarillo of, of just a, a historic one for the city and for uh, uh, the baseball and everything happening downtown. And hopefully we can bring a trophy home. There you go. On, Add to the trophy. We need to build a trophy case first. Well, we we got to build one. we got to yeah. build there one, we and then we'll <laughs> add to it. So, so there we go. Yeah, time. I don't know. Uh, if we do win this thing, I wonder what they're going to do at Hodgetown. I, I, you know, the way the, the way things go here, what, what happened last night, I, maybe we're going to have a parade. Yeah, hey, I don't maybe. know. You might yeah. get a i got to call the deal. mayor, Ginger. Yeah. Ginger yeah. Nelson. You, you come back like 100 at Hodgetown last night on the return. You come back from Tulsa. I, it might be a little bit bigger be, than that. I think it will be. So it'll be cool, and I'm excited to get it started tomorrow. Well, one thing you love to do on your broadcast real quick is uh, give shout-outs to yes. people who are listening. And pump your uh, social media real quick. Social media. Twitter, Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Instagram, same thing. I've been doing Facebook more this year. So if you type Sam Levitt, that should pop up. I also post in that Sod Squad group a lot, so yes. I get a lot of yep. friend requests now, and I, I, <laughs> I accept them. I don't, I don't know most of the people, but uh, people... If you shoot... I think anybody who... Listens and knows me and, and has dealt with me this year. If you shoot me a message or have a question or whatever, I will I will get, get back, back to you pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, yeah, Sammy Lev, S A M M Y L E V. And you can catch the games on the TuneIn app, also MILB TV, which I think is fifteen dollars mm-hmm. right now. If yeah. you want to mm-hmm. get it to watch uh, the postseason play, and the Padres have three teams in postseason play. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. th- this, so the, the 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 whole organization and, uh, is doing Tri-City very well. Tri City is in the championship series already. I think they. Yeah, yeah, I think they won yeah. last night. I think it's 1-1 now. They mm-hmm. actually had, I was listening, their broadcaster in Tri-City is actually really good. Uh, I think his name's Chris King. Okay. And they they lost on a, they blew a lead in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, a walk-off loss in game one. Actually, I think Tom Coletti gave up the home run, who was with Amarillo that final week of the regular season. Yeah. Um, and then they won game two, I think, last night from what I saw. So, I don't know, my, with everything going on, my, yeah. f- my phone's very busy, so I, <laughs> I can't remember. You got, a, you got a lot of baseball Yeah, but no, it's on. cool. It's cool to see yeah. the Padres system having good success. And hopefully that keeps going. Sam, thanks for coming in. All again, right, guys. The voice of the Amarillo Sod Poodles, Sam Levitt, on the Tom Talks Baseball Podcast, Sod Poodles Spotlight. Thanks for listening with us on this special Monday edition, getting ready for the championship series. We will talk to you again later this week on the podcast. Thank you for a summer full of memories, Sam. Thank you, guys. 